What's up, guys? Welcome to TNT Sports Talk. Today is Thursday, June 11th. As always, we're presented by D's Home Cuts. I'm your host, Travis Karcheski. Just me today. Again, like I said, um, Sherman's working. He might be back on Thursday, so we're going to see if we can get an episode in with him. If not, maybe I can get a guest in. I keep making these promises. I got to start following through on them. But uh, it's just me today, but we do have a huge show for you going on today. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. NBA Finals Game 5. I also, I know I said that I am going to, you know, record these Monday and Wednesday night, but I wanted to uh, wait to record this episode because I wanted to talk about NBA Finals Game 5. I feel like we missed out on that, especially if the Raptors would have won last night. Uh, this would have been a great show, and I didn't want to, like, wait all the way till Thursday's episode to talk about, you know, the Raptors winning the finals. But so I watched the game last night. I watched the entire game and I got up this morning and figured we'd do the episode this morning. I could have done it last night, but I'm sort of not really a night owl guy. I go to bed really early. So like staying up for these nine o'clock start times, staying up for these games is really hard for me. And I didn't think uh, I'd be able to record after that. So I decided, you know what, just get a good night's sleep, get a nice pump in at the gym, and then deliver you a fantastic episode today. So let's start with the NBA Finals last night. Like I said, this would have been a huge show if the Raptors would have won, but th- but they didn't. Last night, um, they lost game five. What was the final score of that game? Um, I'm going to check that real quick for you. Uh, yeah, they lost last night. Um, let me see what the score was. Uh, where is it at here? Um, 106-105. Yeah, so it was close last night. Probably should have had that up. And, I mean, a couple of thoughts from that game. Obviously, the big thing surrounding that game was Kevin Durant. He came back. He was supposed to lead the Warriors, you know, back from a 3-1 lead. He was supposed to prove everybody who was ever saying that the Warriors were better without him. He was supposed to prove all those people wrong. Supposed to shut down all the 3-1 Warriors, blew a 3-1 lead jokes. He was supposed to put all that to bed. And he was just supposed to come out and dominate the Warriors. I mean, the Raptors. And it was interesting because um, they... If you look at this from an outside perspective, if you tell you know somebody who doesn't know much about basketball or the Warriors, and you say, "Okay, it's only been one done one time that a team's come back from a three-one lead, and it's only been done one time. It's been only been done once that a team has come back from a three-one lead. Who do you think is going to win?" I think everybody would pick the team who's up three-one, but it's the Warriors. I think all of us kind of assume. That the Warriors, you know, just haven't been playing their best, and they're just going to put it together. And you still have a ton of people picking the Warriors to win this series because of what they've done the last couple of years. Now, granted, it isn't the same Warriors team. Um, they sort of look old. They look sluggish. I mean, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson um, are really the only two guys. I mean, you could say Draymond Green as well, who are really, you know, looking like their old selves. And, you know, like Iguodala looks like a shell of his former self. But they did put it together last night, and they were up for most of that game. They were up by 10 points most of that game until the end. Um, And they got Kevin Durant back. And over the weekend, you know, there were reports that Kevin Durant looked good in practice. Uh, Jalen Rose was reporting that he had a really bad practice, and he didn't expect Kevin Durant to play well at all. And... Um, you saw how quickly he was to talk about it at halftime, where he was like the only guy I saw, Jalen Rose, reporting that Kevin Durant had a bad practice on Saturday or something like that. And you saw how quick he was to bring that up. 
at, at halftime. He was like, well, yeah, you know, Kevin Durant had a pretty bad practice on Saturday. And he kept saying that over and over again. And, like, everybody knew you were the one to report it. You don't have to keep going on about it. But that was pretty funny. But, yeah, if you saw the clip up front, if you really saw the slow motion, I mean, I saw it this morning, you could literally see the Achilles tendon, calf tendon, or whatever, like, pop. And it was, it's disgusting. And, you know, they were talking about a pregame that, you know, it's probably not going to, but the only thing they're worried about right now is the thing being tweaked. And it didn't look like it got tweaked. It looked like it absolutely ruptured. And it was pretty disgusting. So I do not expect Kevin Durant to be playing at all the rest of the series. And, you know, he did come in, and for everything that was going on, he sort of um, had you know, a little bit of a spark for them. You know, he was playing basically on one leg, and he was just, it was just a matter of time before his Achilles or whatever popped. And he got a couple points. I think he scored like six points. He made a couple threes early on. And I guess what's going on right now is he's going to get an MRI to determine the severity. Um, And if it's a torn ACL, that's going to be, uh, not ACL, Achilles, that's going to be, a pretty big gut punch to I think not only Warriors fans but I think NBA fans in general because if he tears his Achilles for one that's going to easily hamper his free agency not many not many teams are going to want somebody coming off an Achilles injury yeah he's Kevin Durant but also he is one of the best players in the world if not the best player and Achilles tear again and we say it time and time again if you tear your Achilles you are going to be pretty much a shell of your former self like Boogie Cousins the, maybe it's just because Boogie's playing around a lot of you know all stars and stuff like that, and he still had that quad injury and stuff. But he he kind of looks like a shell of his former self. You know, Kobe Bryant looked you know a shell like a shell of his former self. So if it is an Achilles tear, which I mean honestly, looking at the clip, it sort of looked like it. But I'm no doctor, I can't you know speak on that. That would be a gut punch for everybody, and I'm not sure where because he, he'd uh, he would miss probably the entire season next year if not most of it maybe he'd be back for the playoffs and if he did tear it i mean i would think he would he would resign with the warriors because then the warriors would get to the playoffs and he could come back for that i'm not sure i'm not sure what's going on right now with kevin durant um but that slow motion video i mean that indicated a pretty serious injury um and i I'm pretty much going to rule him out for game six and game seven. But yeah, he's going under a, he's going to do an MRI today. Um, the, the GM for the Warriors, uh, Bob, Bob uh, Myers, he made the announcement about it. And, you know, he was pretty emotional. So it's sort of a scary situation, especially if you're a Warriors fan. But they did win last night. You got to give them credit. They fought and they grinded and they did get the win. It got a little tight there at the end. I mean, that arena was loud. It was extremely loud. You got an entire country rooting for you. It's going to be a very intimidating place to play. And the Warriors, give them credit. They had the lead most of the game. They started to fall apart there towards the end. I mean, you saw it towards the end. Where they put that lineup in. I think the lineup was like, I, I'm going to miss names. Jordan Bell, Quinn Cook. Uh, I'm missing some names here. It was five guys who really don't play, and the announcers were talking about it. They're like, it makes no sense that this lineup's going in right now. And that lineup got scored on a couple times. Um, but that Looney guy, too, Looney, Kevon Looney, I think his name is, he played through a, you know, I think he tore his rib, a cartilage, or something like that. And he played most of the game, and he was an absolute stud, and he just fought through. And that was a great thing to see. Um, this finals 
if the Warriors end up winning this, I think not only is it going to put to bed, you know, the 3-1 jokes, it's going to put to bed the narrative that the Warriors don't earn their finals and they're just giving it to them. Because this has been one of the grittiest series that the Warriors have played the last couple of years. And if they can win this, somehow find out find a way to win this, not only I think easily are they the greatest dynasty of all time, they might be the greatest team of all time. And uh, if they can fight through this, I mean, they have a lot of things going on right now, and they have a lot of drama, all this stuff. If they can fight through and win this, all these injuries, all these pain, all this emotional drama throughout the whole season, that would be amazing to me. I still, I'm going to say the Warriors are going to win this. It just feels like something that the Warriors would win. It's just a gut feeling that I think the Warriors are going to grind it out, end up finishing off this series. And people are going to be so pissed when they do. But I just fully expect the Warriors to win this. On the opposite side, though, with the Raptors, last night they talked about it pregame was sort of a must win for them. I do not believe they're going to win that game in Oracle. Yeah, they won the, the two in Oracle. They, they swept it in Oracle the last time they went. But still, they have a little bit of momentum now, the Warriors do. They have some something to play for with Kevin Durant, possible, you know, season ending next year season ending injury and it's going to be an emotional game especially for Warriors fans they're going to come out in droves and they're going to try to cheer their team on and you know you saw it last night you know Kawhi is a killer I mean he is I think one of if not the best players in the NBA right now if you take away Kevin Durant I mean you saw it there towards the end there I think it was, they were either up a point or they were down a point, one of the two. And he just came down the court, took the ball up, and just shot a three and just drained it. And he did it again and again. And I thought that's right there. I thought it was over. I thought the game was over. You know, I thought the Warriors, you know, lost all the momentum. And, you know, Kawhi had it. But I think thankfully, because it was a game five, and surprisingly, we're not, Kyle Lowry gets off scot free in this game. That was a terrible last shot for Kyle Lowry. That was a chance right there. I think people were sort of underplaying it because it was a game five and you know not a lot of people were talking about it. He had an opportunity there. That shot, if that would have went in, that would have been, if not one of, if not the biggest shots in NBA history. To make that shot to end one of the greatest, if not the greatest dynasties of all time, if that shot would have went in, Kyle Lowry would easily be a legend in Toronto and an NBA legend forever, but he completely missed. I don't even think he hit the backboard. It went like behind the backboard. It was a terrible last shot, and you know you saw the Warriors. I think they were double teaming Kawhi there, and thankfully though Kyle Lowry sort of gets off scot free. And honestly, me too, because I thought you know I didn't know if they had timeout or something like that. I thought you know it wasn't just gonna you know sort of end like that. I thought Nick Nurse would call a timeout or you know something would have happened where. You know, they would have had some time to think about it. But they just went down the court and they shot it. And I wasn't prepared for it. And I honestly was sort of looking at my phone. I wasn't really paying attention. And I could have missed one of the greatest shots, if not the greatest shot in NBA history, if that would have went in. And it would have sent Toronto to their first ever finals win. And it would have been legendary. But thankfully he missed. Because if I would not have seen that live, I would have been pissed at myself. Um... And I think he gets off scot-free, though, which is crazy because that was a terrible shot. It was disgustingly how bad that was. But, you know, give the credit to the Raptors. They stayed in that game the entire game. They could have easily just given up, rolled over, been like, 
you know, still we got another shot. They have to win two more. We just got to win one more. Uh, we could just roll over. You know, we're down by 10, down by 12. Let's just give up. But the Raptors stayed in that game, and they hit a bunch of key shots. Um, and I think the Raptors could have easily won that game if they would have shot better from three. I think they were like five for 24 at one point at, from the three line. So, Next game, I think the Raptors got to shoot better. I think they got to make a lot of more, lot more plays. I think it's going to be um, an emotional game, obviously, for the Warriors. But you know, the Raptors don't have to deal with Kevin Durant, and they don't have to game plan for him like they did in this game. I think that screwed them up a little bit, and the Warriors are beat up. So this, if this is a chance for the Raptors to really win this series. They're gonna have to win in Game Seven, at Game Six. I don't believe they'll win in Game Seven. Game Six is a must-win for them. If they don't win that, it's over, in my opinion. I still think the Raptors are gonna lose this, but it's going to be an interesting series. Honestly, this entire series has sort of ruined the stigma of you know Canadian, you know fans being like these polite people, these sort of soft fans. Like I've got a lot more respect for. Canada and their fans from this series. I mean, they are loud. They are passionate. Given, you know, it got a little dicey last night when they were cheering, when Kevin Durant got hurt. Um, you know, you saw Clay Thompson got really pissed off. Um, and eventually Kyle Lowry and I think Van Fleet were, you know, sort of telling them to calm down. And then they started to clap a little bit. I think they got a little bit too much uh, hyped up. They got a little bit too much of Tim Horton's coffee and, uh, they sort of lost sight of who they were. Um, and they, they switched their, their, uh, their, their tone really quickly. Once they saw, you know, the players, their own players were pretty pissed off at them. Um, players get so mad when fans are cheering for injuries and I never cheer for injuries. I hate it. Um, when fans do it, but I'll be honest, when you're that passionate, when it's that big of a game, you kind of lose yourself in the moment. And, like, if we're if the Packers are playing the Bears, well, Bears are different. I mean, if Trubisky goes down with an injury, you know, it's not right. But, I mean, in the back of your mind, you're pretty happy most of the time. But it's not right. Um, but, yeah, if it's at a big, big moment like a Super Bowl and we're playing like the Patriots and Tom Brady goes down, like, I, you can't help but let out a little bit of a cheer. Um, especially, you know, Kevin Durant one of the, is the best player in the world. And when he goes down, you don't have to worry about him anymore. Like, I understand it. I hate it, but I understand it. And they changed their tone really quickly, so you got to give them credit. As far as that goes, though, like I said, I think the Raptors are going to end up losing this series still. I mean, they have to win game six. That's, the, that's all. You know, that's as brass as crass as you can be they got to win game six if they don't win game six it's over in my opinion uh and i still think it's over right now um other nba news tony parker has retired ending the reign of the big three of tim duncan manu ginobili and tony parker that is over now all three are retired 18 seasons in the nba 17 with the spurs one with the hornets which was just a stupid series stupid game stupid season um 37 years old, six final selections, four championships alongside Duncan and Ginobili, um, even winning MVP honors, final MVP honors in 2007. Um, Played about 1,200 games for the Spurs, the second most in franchise history. Uh, Spurs all-time leader in assists and fourth in points from the franchise. Um, Again, final member of that Spurs core to retire. When I think of Tony Parker, I remember... 
honestly, the one thing I remember from Tony Parker, and this is sort of weird, I'm not sure if anybody else remembers this, he hit this shot, and it was uh, 2007 Finals versus the Cavs. I remember watching it in my kitchen with my dad on this little TV. Um, we were watching it, Cavs versus Spurs. He hit this one shot where he like he fell on the ground, completely fell, and he hit the shot from his from the floor, sitting on the floor, and he made it. And I was just amazed by that. But yeah, Tony Parker was just a consistent point guard. Um, easily led that team to a lot of championships alongside Duncan and Ginobili. Kind of sucks to see this core fall apart, but at the end of the day, it's kind of cool also to see Kawhi, you know, who was sort of built from this core. You see him, you know, carrying on that legacy almost. And you know, Tony Parker's done, but you know, when a player like that retires. It's cool to look back and see all he did for the Spurs and for the NBA. You know, I think he was like the first French player to ever play um, in the NBA, or if he wasn't at a high level. I mean, he's easily the best French player ever. Um, and I think a big reason why I also remember Tony Parker was because last semester, my first semester fall this year, uh, I took French class, and like, I took a, I, I suck at French. I suck at foreign languages, but. Tony Parker was in like all the textbooks because they thought, you know, he'd relate to Americans mostly. Um, but I was in that, this class and I was like the only one to really know who Tony Parker was, which was surprising. Um, but I guess, you know, a lot of people who don't watch sports take French. And I wanted to take Latin, but I had to take French. So not my fault. But anyways, Tony Parker retired. Sucks. Um, sort of a gut punch to the Spurs to see, you know, that, that, that part is over the last thing they could hold on to was tony parker was still playing but that part's over um so tony parker spurs legend has retired at 37 he'll go to the hall of fame and i think his jersey will be retired pretty soon but that's it for the nba talk let's move now to do a couple football stories um but before that I had to remind you guys about my guy dom at d's home cuts dom has been killing it lately gotta give the guy credit um, D's Home Cuts is the best place around Northeast Ohio for a great haircut at a low price. For only $10, D's Home Cuts will provide you with modern haircut and styling. D's Home Cuts, easily, like I said, best place around to get your haircut. It's the cheapest and you'll get the best cut. I mean, you can go to Great Clips. You can wait for two hours in, you know, a boring weight room, weight room, a boring weight room, waiting room, right? Is that? Yeah, whatever. Um, and you can sit and watch boring TV, or you can go ahead and you'll pay, you know, like $30 basically to get a haircut after tip, and it's a crappy haircut. Or you can go, you can DM Dom, he'll tell you the exact time to get there. You'll sit in his nice professional barber's chair while he cuts your hair with professional barber's equipment, and you'll only end up paying $10, which goes straight to Dom, not to some big franchise or big corporation. It goes straight to him, and you help support his business. Um, so go ahead and check him out at D's Home Cuts on Instagram. Send him a DM if you're interested, and you should be, um, because trust me, he treats every hair on your head like gold. And check him out. Even if you don't know what you want or what you'd like, go check him out. If you're looking to get a new cut or something like that, something to spice it up, Dom will help you. He'll suggest styles. He'll style you up the way you want. Uh, want even if you don't know what you want so go ahead and check them out D's home cuts send them a DM set up an appointment trust me you will not be disappointed D's home cuts professional haircuts at a low price go ahead and check them out been a sponsor since the beginning of TNT sports talk and uh, he's been here every day since day one so go ahead and check them out 
Let's move on now to some football. So a move came across um, the wire today that I was a little bit surprised. Um, and that move was Kyle Rudolph signing a four-year, $36 million contract extension with the Vikings. Now, you might ask, you know, why is this sort of a surprising move? He's only 29. He's been a solid tight end, if not Pro Bowl caliber tight end the last couple of years. Well, the thing is, they took Irv Smith in the uh, second round, I think, in the draft. They put a significant amount of draft capital towards a tight end this year. Irv Smith, who was widely believed to be the third, you know, if not one of the top you know tight ends in the draft widely believed to possibly be a first round talent but they took him in the second round and they got you know a pretty good you know chunk of their draft capital was spent on a tight end in Irv Smith and then Kyle Rudolph sort of came out and he said you know that's not fair like he got mad that they were sort of disrespecting him and it was widely rumored that he was going to be traded at the end of you know the offseason you know right around there because people could use a veteran tight end like Kyle Rudolph and plus, the Vikings, they have a pretty shitty cap situation right now. They've spent a lot of money, a lot of big contracts on a lot of players trying to keep this core together. They spent a ton of money on Kirk Cousins, who, I mean, obviously that hasn't been working out too well this last season. Um, and, like, don't get me wrong. He's a Vikings player, but Kyle Rudolph has been a solid player the last couple of years. He's only 29. Um, he's been there the last eight seasons but, and he's, what is he at? From 2016 to 2017, um, he's had 15 touchdowns. He had 15 touchdowns. Last year, he only had four because Kirk Cousins, you know, he likes more athletic tight ends. And while Kyle Rudolph's athletic, he's kind of a, like a bigger, bulkier guy. Um, Kirk Cousins like a, likes a Jordan Reed, like an Irv Smith. And Irv Smith compares very well to Jordan Reed from the Redskins and when healthy, the Jordan Reed-Kirk Cousins combo was deadly. And I think Kirk Cousins is going to have a lot of fun throwing to Irv Smith. Um, and it doesn't make sense as to why the Vikings would lock up somebody who's been a starter the last couple of years, don't get me wrong. But why would you lock him up for four years, put almost $40 million into that deal? It's almost $10 million a year when your cap situation is already complete shit. And now you're locking up somebody who... Is on his way out, it seemed like. You got a, a younger, possibly better tight end, you know, waiting in the w wings. Why would you lock him up? It just it doesn't make sense to me. But again, that's the Vikings, and that's the kind of shit they do. Um, so, yeah, that didn't make much sense to me. Um, but, you know, hey, what are you going to do? Now, the other move is Carson Wentz. They signed Carson Wentz, the Eagles did, to a four-year contract extension. Um, I don't have the money right in front of me. But I heard it's actually a lot of oh, four years, 128 million with, with 107 guaranteed. That's a lot of money. Um, but again, that's the kind of market that the quarterback uh, is worth nowadays. Again, second overall pick of 2016. I mean, they could have waited a couple more years, one or two more years before they signed him up. But I guess with the whole Nick Foles thing, and you know, he was benched. People were calling for Nick Foles other than Carson Wentz. Um, I guess it's kind of good to restore your confidence back in your young quarterback because Carson Wentz has shown flashes of being, you know, a franchise quarterback and he's shown flashes of being, you know, a pretty bad bust. And like last year, you could say he was hurt. I mean, he hasn't been the same ever since he got hurt. Um, but he was a big part of the reason why the Eagles went to the Super Bowl. You know, he won them a lot of games in the regular season. In my opinion, this is Carson Wentz is a Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr and Carson Wentz sort of compare very well together. Um, that situation where you have a, a quarterback who is, you know, you invested a lot into him, you know, first round pick, 
and he's shown flashes of being really good, had a bad, very bad injury, and then he's shown flashes of being bad. And I'm not sure if you want to invest that much money into him. In my opinion, if it was me, if I was the uh, Eagles general manager, I would have probably waited this season and seen what what he could have done or what he was doing, and then I would have paid him. Because you're paying a lot for him right now, and people were saying, you know, yeah, pay him now when he's you know not at the top of his game. So you know, when he becomes to the top of his game again, when he gets healthy, um, you'll have him for a cheap deal. Um, it's not cheap though. It's a lot of money you're investing in a quarterback, and it's a lot of money that could possibly just not work out if he gets hurt again. You know, what he tore his ACL if he tears that again. I mean, that got to make you pretty nervous um, if he just doesn't perform again. It's going to be, you know, something that's going to be a black eye for the organization for years to come. So, in my opinion, I would have waited a year, but they didn't, and they signed him up. They locked him up. They're putting all their chips in the Carson Wentz basket as we speak right now. Um, I'm trying to see if there's any other stories we missed. Um, Jermaine Kerr signed with the Lions, one-year contract. Uh, it was pretty solid the last year for the Jets. Not great, but again... Sam Darnold was still sort of learning, and he's just a solid veteran option for the Lions, who, you know, now they have Marvin Jones, Galladay, Danny Amendola, so it's not a bad receiving core. It's kind of full of a lot of mediocre weapons, and that's just what the Lions are used to, so that's that. But as far as football goes, that's pretty much it we have for storylines, but we are going to continue on with our series of off-season reviews. And we're going to do that today with the Carolina Panthers. So 7-9 last year for the Panthers. Um, a down year for them. Cam Newton, he's got a shoulder injury still. We're not sure when or where he's going to play. He's still questionable for week one and possibly you know multiple weeks. And it's going to be interesting to see what kind of things um, he can do this year. Because if you look at the backup situation, um, we'll talk about that in a second. But I mean, really the only true backup who has good NFL experience is Taylor Heineke who comes over from the AAF um, so we'll see what happens there but seven and nine last year sort of a down season for the Panthers everybody was kind of waiting for the Panthers to turn it on and they just never did it um, they showed flashes but it really was never um, you know consistent enough to make some noise so I believe if they don't make the playoffs this year, if this is another down year, I think Ron Rivera gets fired this season. And I don't think that's a shock to say that. I think most people would agree with me that Ron Rivera is on the hot seat right now. And if he doesn't make some noise this season, I mean, that team you know, could be looking to clean house. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But as far as the offseason goes, um, they did add a lot. They did lose a lot, though. Um, they lost, let me see here. Some of the players they lost, Devin Funches, they lost him to Indianapolis. He was, you know, pretty much their main target the last couple of seasons. Um, they lost Thomas Davis, who was their locker room leader, somebody who, you know, galvanized that team. You know, great inspirational story. They lost him to the Chargers, and they lost Julius Peppers to retirement. Uh, Julius Peppers franchise. Uh, um, Leader in sacks, franchise guy, probably the most well-known Carolina Panther um, outside Steve Smith. And he retires after a couple seasons in the NFL. And, you know, that's going to be a huge loss to them. They don't have that sort of veteran presence to around them. 
And then as far as free agency goes, they added some guys. Um, let me see here. I'm scrolling through this. They added Bruce Irving to replace uh, a couple of their pass rushers, so that's going to be a big, big help for them. Uh, he can give them you know, a little bit of uh, FU mentality on the edge there. They got you know, uh, Gerald McCoy. I forgot about that. They, they signed him. That's going to be a big deal for them. Um, as far as, let me see here. They got Matt. Paradise, uh, the center from the Broncos last season. He has been a consistent force there at center. They signed Tory. No, they got Tory Smith last year. They signed Chris Hogan. Uh, Chris Hogan, uh, good couple seasons for the Patriots. I don't think that's good enough to replace Devin Funchess. I mean, their receiver core right now is DJ Moore, Tory Smith, and Chris Hogan. DJ Moore had a great first season, and you're going to look to see him take that second step. You're also going to look for Curtis Samuel to take another second step as well. Um, kind of a second step that Kurt, that Christian McCaffrey took last year. Christian McCaffrey had a decent rookie season, but he bursted onto the scene last year, and he had a fantastic year, putting himself easily in the top five, top ten running back conversation. And you're looking for that with DJ Moore next year because he is sort of that leader now uh, in that locker room at the wide receiver core. I mean, Torrey Smith has been in a lot of big games, played a lot of big moments, but he just doesn't have the talent, I think, that DJ Moore has. Um, and as far as that, I mean, defense, you still got Luke Keekley. Luke Keekley has been there the last couple of seasons holding down, you know, that core. And, you know, he's obviously a big part of that. And their defense line, you know, Kwan Short, Don Terry Poe, and now Gerald McCoy, that's a pretty good defensive line, and that's going to help them out a lot as well. Um and then you add on the outside, you got Bruce Irvin and their first-round draft pick, Brian Burns. That's a pretty good outside um, rush right there. Now, their corner position is still pretty um, beat up. I mean, they got Eric Reed and Dante Jackson had a great season last year. Rookie, you're looking for him to take that next step. I think he could easily be a top corner in the NFL. So that's going to be big for them. Um but they really needed to add some help at corner, and they didn't do that, you know, that well. I mean, I'm looking at their draft class right now, and they didn't draft a corner at all, which was, you know, a big deal for them. Um, they had a good draft, but I think they were just trying to make that offensive line and pass rush better. But I think they needed to get some corners, and they just didn't do that, which was kind of a big swing and a miss for them. But they got Brian Burns, 16 overall. I think they were waiting for him to fall, and they got him. I mean, he's going to be huge. You know, you got that speed and that length. That's going to help them. You wish you had Julius Peppers there to sort of mold him, but he wasn't, obviously. Uh, and then they got Greg Little in the second round, who had kind of a, a iffy you know, season last year, and if you wouldn't have had an iffy season at Ole Miss, he would have been you know a top five, top ten pick. And he's easily one of the top left tackles, which is going to help them. I mean, that's a fantastic value value pick at 37 they traded up to get him and they got their guy then they took will greer in the third round which was kind of a surprise maybe that lights a little bit of a fire under cam newton i mean he seems like he's been kind of coasting off of that mvp season a couple years ago maybe that lights a little bit of a fire under him you know it's a project quarterback but you know he has all the skills he really needs if he wants to be you know a good quarterback in this league and i think he has the talent so overall the Panthers had a decent offseason. It's not great. Picking up Gerald McCoy at the end there, I think, pushed them from a kind of bad offseason to a good offseason. Um, I think that's going to help them out a lot. As far as their record goes, 
again, I think their record fully rests on what Cam Newton can do with his injury. If he plays the entire season, they could easily be a playoff team. But if they can't, I think they missed the playoffs. I think 7-9. I'm going to bet that Cam Newton's going to be hurt, and I'm going to bet that he's just going to still be coasting off that MVP season. I don't think that Will Greer pick did enough to sort of freak him out. So I think he is going to have a bad year again, and I think they're going to go 7-9. I'd even go to, say, 6-10, and and I think they're going to miss the playoffs, and then I think they clear house. I think they get rid of Ron Rivera. I think they get rid of North Turner, and I think they get rid of Steve Wilkes. Um and they completely, you know, give a complete recharge of that off of that uh, coaching staff, and they try to switch some things around. But they have the players in place to make the playoffs. They have the talent. They just got to put it together a little bit more. But that's my off-season review with the Panthers. We're gonna move now a little bit of baseball and a little bit of hockey. Um, so let's get into baseball right now. So we got a couple storylines I wanted to wrap up with uh, with baseball. Then we'll do a little bit of hockey just to update you on that. Um, and then we'll end the show. So Andrew McCutcheon tore his ACL. I mean, that feels like a long time ago, but we haven't talked about that yet. Um, he tore his ACL. That's a huge loss for the Phillies. Thankfully, they got Jay Bruce, um, which I think they were kind of hoping he'd just be a depth piece. But uh, now with Andrew McCutcheon, he is going to be forced into that starting lineup. And McCutcheon, you know, has actually been having that a pretty decent year. You know, he was hitting 260, 10 home runs, um, and he wasn't that bad. And, uh, I think that's because he sort of switched his game up. He was getting a lot of walks now, which he wasn't in the past. Um, but he was having actually a pretty decent season. And it sucks that he gets hurt like that. But hopefully he'll come back next season. Then we had the two biggest signings. Uh, two biggest free agents left were finally off the board this weekend. We got Craig Kimbrell signed with the Cubs. And O'Brien was pretty happy about that. Um, it was a three-year, $43 million deal, I believe. Uh, he's only 31 years old, which I was surprised. I thought he was a little bit older. Um, but the last couple seasons, Craig Kimbrell has been uh, lights out. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame candidate. I think very likely he'll be in the Hall of Fame when he, once he retires. I mean, what did he do last year? Last season, he had a 2.74 ERA. Um, he fell off a little bit in the playoffs, which is why people, I think, sort of guessed that he fell. I mean, he was looking for like a six-year, mega-million-dollar deal, and Teams just weren't going to give him that. So he sort of had to wait a little while before he could sign. And, I mean, he's a seven-time All-Star. 1.91 career ERA. I mean, he is going to be huge for the Cubs. The Cubs have needed a couple of bullpen reinforcers the last couple of seasons. And Dallas Keuchel is going to give them that. Not Dallas Keuchel. Craig Kimbrell is going to give them that. Um, and that's going to be huge for them. Especially because they're right in the middle of that wild card race. I mean, the division race. I'm thinking Indians with the wild card race. But, uh, and that's going to help. And I know Truman was pissed when he saw that because I knew the Brewers were interested as well. Um, so, sucks for them. Now, Dallas Keuchel, like I mentioned earlier, he signed with the Braves. One year, $13 million deal. Um, he was huge for the Astros the last couple of years. During their sort of rebuild, you know, getting into, you know, uh, prominence on top of that division on top of the league he was their ace the last couple of seasons 31 years old he's sort of fallen off a little bit from winning the Cy Young in 2015 but he has been a huge part of that rotation the last couple of seasons and he is still a top of the line starter and people were surprised he lasted this long um 
And but the Braves get a good player now, and they get him on a sort of a cheap level. I mean, what do you have? A 3.74 ERA last season. He's a lefty pitcher who can throw very well, which is very rare in today's league. Um, and besides, you know, Mike Sorica, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, they really haven't had somebody who could take the ball out in that mound and just dominate people. And I think Dallas Keuchel can do that. Comes in with, you know, a rested arm from this season. Uh, you give him a couple weeks, and he'll fit right into that rotation and will be, you know, another option down the stretch for um, the Braves. I mean, they have a couple starting pitchers who are facing, you know, uh, innings restrictions, and I think this is going to be a big deal for the Braves. So good signing for them. Uh, as far as the other thing goes in baseball, David Ortiz, I think we all know where this is going. Uh, he was shot in the Dominican Republic on Monday night, I believe, which was, no, Sunday night. Very random, you know, story to come across. It freaked out a lot of people for, you know, a little bit of time there because, you know, you didn't know what the severity was of it. Um, people said he got robbed. It was an attempted robbery in a nightclub. But if you look at the video, I mean, the guy just kind of walks up to him and shoots him. It really didn't seem like that much of a robbery. Um and then the dude, the dude that shot him, I mean, he got, for some reason he didn't run or he just was in a crowded spot or whatever and he just couldn't run, but he got caught really quickly and the, the fans and all the people that were around just beat the shit out of him and he got his ass kicked and his head was bleeding, he was all swollen, which is good because David Poppy, David Ortiz, Big Poppy, um, has been one of the nicest, classiest baseball players around. He's done so much for the Dominican Republic, so much for Boston and baseball. There's really no reason for you to hate him. Even if you are, you know, you know, whatever. For whatever reason he decided to shoot him, it made no sense. If you're trying to rob him, whatever. He does so much. He's one of the nicest guys in, in you know, baseball history, I'd even go to say. And to shoot him like that was uncalled for and i'm glad he got his ass kicked but you know david ortiz he's out of the woods i guess um very classy move for the red sox they flew, took their plane down there and they flew him to boston to get him some good medical treatment um and he should be all right but it's just a weird story um but it's one of those things like if you're gonna swing at uh david ortiz you better not miss and you better make that first shot count because there are going to be a lot of people that are going to kick your ass, and you better get what you want out of it. You got one chance, uh, or else you're just going to get your ass kicked, and that's what happened. Um, so, you know, hats off to David Ortiz. He's healthy. Um, he seems like he's going to be okay. I think it was just in the leg or in the abdomen or something like that, but he's going to be all right. So good thing for that. Um, you know, prayers up to him and his family. Now, as far as that goes, that's baseball. We have a little bit of hockey update, though. It's going to be Game 7 tonight, uh, Bruins versus Blues. Uh, it got leaked the other day. The Blues, uh, the St. Louis Dispatch, I believe, they released accidentally. It was leaked. Uh, their championship poster, championship newspaper, um, that got leaked. They had that already made, and people you know, are obviously calling it a jinx because they lost Game 6. Uh, at home, which was huge. I think it was, what was it, 5-1? to one? I mean, they got their ass kicked. And now it goes back to Game 7 in Boston. That's going to be a very tough place to play, a very scary place to play. It's going to be hyped up. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm not sure Boston's going to um, you know, take it easy on them. I think they're going to come out, and I think the Blues are going to get their ass kicked. Uh, it's kind of a jinx. I mean, you could. I'm not a big superstition guy. 
But if something like that happens, you like hockey is one of those sports where it's like superstitions are a big deal. If you screw up your superstition or you do something, uh, you know, to mess with something, you shave your playoff beard or whatever, and your team starts to lose, you get blamed for that quickly. And the St. Louis Dispatch, I mean, they're going to be blamed for this if the Blues lose this. Um, and you're going to see, you know, the power of sports fans. So I think the Bruins are going to win this series. I think they're going to finish it out on Wednesday. We'll do a recap on Thursday. Maybe we'll get some hockey bros in here to talk about it. Um, but, yeah, I just I don't trust it. Tonight, I mean, tomorrow, game seven. Uh, or is it tonight? When is it tonight? Uh, Wednesday, yeah, at the Garden. So going to be a good game, and I think the Bruins will win that game. But that's it for our show today. We want to thank you to our sponsors, D's Home Cuts. We ask that you go on to Apple Podcasts, not iTunes. Give us five stars. Rate, review, subscribe. Do that also on Spotify um, and wherever you listen to it, whether it's on the Anchor app, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Check us out. Um, follow us on Twitter at TNT Sports Talk 1 2, TNT Sports Talk 12. Um, send us questions, comments, concerns. Throw us a follow. We'll throw you a follow back. You want to be a guest on the show? Send us a DM and we will uh, set up a date for you to come in. Uh, as far as other things go, we'll be posting tweets daily. You know about you know what we said on the show, different you know headlines, what's going to be on the next show, whatever. Uh, when the show is going to be out, we always are providing updates. So go ahead and check that out. Um, other than that, though, you know that's pretty much it. Have a great day. Tune in on Thursday. We're going to have another show for you. Uh, we'll talk about the Stanley Cup. We'll give a full recap as to what's going on with Kevin Durant, and we'll continue our off-season series, wrapping up the NFC South with the Saints. So go ahead and check that out on Thursday. But other than that, though, have a great day, guys. Thanks.